Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, my whole house is still asleep, so I'm trying not to use my overwhelming radio voice, but how are you, sir? Well, the good news is that you are using your overwhelming radio face, and nobody has to look at that. Uh, I fall into that same category as well. I'm doing great, Tommy. Doing great. Man, did I put that on a tee for you. All right. So uh, would you like to talk about how nobody is really any good in college football, or would you like to talk about Florida State's performance yesterday? Uh, I'd like to talk about uh, the University of Miami's performance first, just to get that out of the way. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a new Georgia Tech fan. So let me just express to you that uh, one of the one of the good things about a three thirty game working on the you know if you're at the game working with the crew, you get home in time to watch the night games if it's a home game. So came home, might have cracked open a cold beverage, ate some dinner, and was watching football. And I was flipping between the Notre Dame Louisville game, watch some Ole Miss Arkansas, watch Miami Georgia Tech, and every time I switched. Miami had the football. I never saw Georgia Tech on offense. So it was 10 nothing Miami, and I switch. And five minutes later, I go back, and it's 14-10 Georgia Tech. And I'm thinking, how did that happen? Oh, I did see one drive. Georgia Tech got a field goal until 17-10. So I'm switching back and forth. Now it's 2017 Miami. They've got the ball. They get a first down. It's under two minutes. It's like at a buck 20. It's at take a knee standpoint. So I just turn it off and go to bed. because who in their right mind would not just take a knee and take the win? Well, the answer to that is Mario Cristobal, and I'll let you fill in the blanks from there. You know, I, I did not watch the game, so I I was getting some uh, text messages uh, early Sunday morning as we're taping this, uh, so I've not seen any of the video. I've only seen the comments, and trust me, the comments have been flowery and uh, colorful. Uh, references to uh, Doug Flutie, um, uh, references to uh, the University of Florida uh, when they uh, all the offense fell down to let Miami score. So that was it, Reeves, or was it uh, was it John Reeves or or uh, yeah. Coach Spurrier? Could I think set it was John the, Reeves. Yeah, could set the the passing record. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, it, it's just been interesting, and and obviously uh, we'll get right to Florida State here in just a second. But you know. If you understand the big picture, it's not helpful for Florida State when both Miami uh, and Florida lose on the same day. And and my my fear that the Gators would lose to Vanderbilt was very real <laughs> throughout part of the day as well. Um, it's a weird college football day and a weird college football year so far. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, all Miami had to do was get in victory formation and take a knee. They chose to run the football. The running back fumbled. Georgia Tech recovered and then had a four-play, 70-yard drive in 26 seconds and caught the winning touchdown pass. The guy crossed the goal line with one second left, and so Miami lost. And so for all the hype about Miami, they're now under five. They're 0-1 in the ACC, and now they play at North Carolina, and then they play Clemson. That's the next two weeks. Now, I will say this, Keith. We will get to FSU. So I did the number one thing that you're not supposed to do in the middle of the night, which is uh, I woke up and I looked at my phone to look at what time it was. 
So that led to me going, well, let me just refresh the scores. It was two in the morning. So at that point, it was 28-28 USC in Arizona with less than two minutes left. So I decided, of course, I'm going to watch this now. So I call it up on my phone. USC gets the football. All they need is a field goal to win. They drive, running back breaks a run all the way down. They're inside the five-yard line with less than 30 seconds left, and they have a timeout. All they need to do is run the clock to three seconds, take the timeout, kick the field goal. So what do they do on first down? They try a pass that's almost picked off. On second down, they do a, a zone read, and the ball goes on the ground because there's a an, an exchange issue. Now they come out finally on third down and decide we should, maybe it's third down anyway, they just they get to kick in the field goal. All right. The snap is high. The kicker has to recoil and the kick is blocked. And so it goes to overtime. They were at the five yard line, had to kick. A, this is my point about nobody is any good in college football. This is USC I'm talking about. Anyway, it goes to triple overtime and USC wins on a two point conversion because by the third overtime, that's all you can do is the two point Correct. conversion and Caleb Williams Correct. got it. So you're talking about a day where Texas lost, USC could have lost, maybe should have lost. Texas A&M now has two losses. Miami lost. Shoot, Ohio State looked vulnerable against Maryland in the first half. I mean, it, it just feels really wide open. And at one point in the ball game, FSU's up by five against Virginia Tech, and you're sitting there going, what in the world is going on? I should also point out, and – this is good for the ACC, actually, because FSU might see Louisville at the end of the year, but Louisville beat Notre Dame. So Notre Dame is now a two-loss team, and we can get them out of the top ten and stop talking about Notre Dame being in the playoffs. So they're they're out of it. All right, well, let, let's talk about FSU. I, I thought it was a microcosm of the season, Keith, so far, in that Florida State looked fantastic in stretches and looked like they hadn't practiced uh, at all over the bye week in stretches. Uh, but the good news is, as it has been all year, when push came to shove, when they ultimately needed to stop, when they needed to respond, and the biggest point was after that kick return early in the third quarter, they immediately got a score, and they've been able to do that all year. And so that's my biggest takeaway from the positive side. We had talked during our Wednesday show about the need, and Coach Norvell had talked about it during the open week, to get off to a fast start. Uh, the first drive, uh, they marched right down the field, took five or six minutes off the clock. Um, I think Virginia Tech ended up with like six yards of total offense in the first quarter. Uh, FSU scored twice. The two-point conversion reminded me of all the static we gave uh, uh, Rector. Uh, was it last year or the year before when FSU tried to go for two early in the season on that spread um, uh, point after attempt and didn't make it? This time they did. Uh, but I'm sitting there, you know, beginning of the second quarter going, all right, they've, they've found their stride. They, they're on the rails. They're chugging down the track. And, and this is what this team can be. And then it went off the rails. And as you mentioned, uh, looked like they, they didn't know that the football was oblong versus, versus uh, round and what to do with it. And certainly didn't know what to do with the offense they were playing against. Um, so inconsistency was the thing I, I came away with. Obviously, obviously, uh, the upside is still a big upside. They've just got to find a way to get there. I actually, I actually think there's a lot positive here. Uh, from this game, just starting offensively. So first of all, Jordan Travis obviously is healthier because they called several design runs for him. And even though he didn't spring for 30 or 40, it's now back on tape that you're going to have to prepare for Jordan run. It seemed very intentional to me that they got him in the running game. 
uh, Robert Scott was back at the tackle position. Now, Bless Harris was out, but having Robert Scott back, that's fairly significant uh, as we move forward. Uh, we saw that the other tight ends are pretty good, too. I don't know what was up with Jaheim Bell. To my knowledge, he practiced this week. He was dressed out. He did get on the field a time or two, but they just threw to the other tight ends much more. And, and Bell wasn't on the – now, part of it was they were in 11 personnel more than they had been all season. So they just had one tight end on the field, but right. they didn't throw to him as much. But but the biggest positive offensively, Keith, is they got the running game going and Trey Benson looked like Trey Benson. I mean, we've known all along, if you give him two yards to get ahead of steam, that's going to become five yards when he hits the second level. And if he breaks a tackle, it's going to be eight, 10. And if he, I don't know that I've ever seen a play go around one side or the other that was that wide open as the 85 yarder he hit late. There was, there was nobody anywhere. Well, they had gone bunch formation. You know, one of the things that offenses are, are doing now is that quad formation. You know, we used to have two wide outs and a tight end, and then you move the, you take the tight end out and you put in a slot in. Then we went trips, and now we're going quad. And it looked to me like Virginia Tech moved the backside corner all the way over to the quad formation, which was to the wide side. So there, there was not a, a last level container on on that side other than the safety uh, I'll say this it's not been talked about but I am firmly convinced that this is the first game of this season that Trey Benson's been healthy there's been there's been something uh, a nagging lingering thing uh, because he looked um, more explosive uh, he even commented after the game he wished he had his uh, vest on to know how fast he was running on those two long uh, touchdown runs, he looked quicker and faster than at any time we've seen him this year. Uh, and, and that's good news for Florida State in the running game. Another positive offensively, we've been talking about how this offense has just become a boom or bust, all or nothing, kind of throw the deep back shoulder or the nine route. And we didn't really see any of those yesterday. We saw the intermediate game return and uh, I thought it was pretty noticeable from the first drive of the game, Keith. They were in 11 personnel, so it was one tight end. They had Destin Hill out there half that drive, and then uh, Ja'Kai Douglas got in, you know, and they went right down and scored. So it was and not that they haven't run any 11 personnel this year, but they haven't run it as much as they did against Virginia Tech. And they certainly haven't tried to attack the middle of the field. Again, we talked about that uh, in, in uh, the open week. Um, they were they were throwing the slants. There were some drags. There were some you know old fashioned square ends. So they were getting the ball down the middle of the field, not just trying to get it outside. Uh, Jordan was was you know if you look at his stats, they're not off the chart. His completion percentage was seventy five percent. He was very accurate. But you go back and look at that tape. There are a couple of three throw, throws that he missed um, that that you know could have really added to what was going on. Um, but he was still very workmanlike, as you mentioned, uh, intentional on the runs. I think he ended up officially with 10 carries. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's every time he gets out in the open field, we're hypocrites because we want him to stay up and make two people miss and go for 40. And so when he goes into the slide, I go, oh, dang it. You know, we, and we know he needs to do that, but we get disappointed when he does that. Uh, and, and by the way, he's pretty good at it now. He must have been taking some lessons from his brother. Former baseball player, obviously. I understand why they do it. I hate that on the slide, though. Like, he starts a slide at the 24, and he finishes at the 28, and they spot the ball at the 24, right? Because that's where he starts. And I get why they do it, but I'm like, well, we're trying to protect the guy's head, and he really had another three yards on that play. Anyway, I don't want to be that guy, Keith, but I'm going to be that guy. 
as we go to the second quarter and when things turn the wrong way. And I'm going to bring up the guys that wear the black and white outfits out there. Your favorite, uh, your favorite folks. My favorite folks, because so Florida State's up twenty-two nothing. They're I, I forget exactly where they were on the field, Mid, midfieldish, and it's third and ten or whatever. And Jordan Travis scrambles, he gets the first down, and then and he slid, and then he gets hit in the head from behind by a VT defender, and there is no flag thrown. Instead, well, there is a flag thrown, but it's not for hitting Jordan Travis after the play, which would have been a personal foul. 15 yards. Instead, they call holding on Casey Roddick. Florida State, re- it, it ends up being, it was third and nine, actually. It ends up being third and nine again because it erased the drive or erased the gain. Then they throw the ball on the uh, uh, to the slot receiver, Ja'Kai Douglas, who's running like an out and up uh, or slot fade. And it looks to me like he gets held and interfered with. And they swallow the whistle and don't call that. So FSU punts. And now they have Virginia Tech in a third and long, they have him off the field, and Byron Turner gets penalized for best I can tell, hitting the quarterback too hard, not targeting, not hitting him late, just hitting him too hard. And so here comes the yellow flag, and that sustained that. That's what kept the drive alive that got Virginia Tech to its first points of the game. So I've said my piece, but it was a bad stretch, and this was when Norvell went nuts during that four-minute period. As well, he should have. Uh, now, um, it, you know, one of the things that we see all the time in basketball is basketball head coaches attempting to intimidate referees in order to, to change and get them off center. Are we going to have to start doing that in football now? I don't know. I just, the thing on the quarterback that the, the Byron Turner hit, it reminded me, and I don't remember the exact circumstance. I don't even remember who hit him. But it was the play where Devin Leary got hurt last year at NC State. And it kind of swung some momentum in that game. And there was nothing wrong with the hit. And it was Jeff Flanagan who threw the flag. And we're all looking. It wasn't, there was nothing illegal about the hit. It was just a good, ferocious hit. And they threw a flag. And that kind of swung some momentum for NC State. It felt the same exact way. Like, just because a guy got hit hard doesn't make it a penalty. That that does happen in football. Guys can get hit hard still until they lose everything out of the game. Exactly. Exactly. Pardon me. Again, you know, our biggest, well, maybe not your biggest beef because you've got a big beef, but my biggest beef is just the inconsistency. Be one way or the other. Um, you know, that that's that's what I would like to see. And uh, it was not it was not um, being shown uh, yesterday afternoon in Dope Campbell Stadium. Well, and going back to the Jordan Travis hit, I mean, I remember against LSU. Same thing happened. He slid feet first. Somebody hits him after he started his slide, really after he finished his slide in the head. Didn't throw a flag then. And it took until later against Virginia Tech. So I think it's the third time he's been hit in the head after he started a slide before they finally threw a flag on him this year, which didn't seem right. Anyway, all of that does not change the fact that after FSU didn't get the benefit, uh, you know, or got hosed, if you will, by that penalty on Byron Turner. They had several other opportunities that they could have ended that drive against Virginia Tech. Didn't do so until it was down in the red zone and they forced a, a field goal. But I, I will go back, and then they, you know, Virginia Tech got a touchdown on the ensuing drive. I'll go back to the offense again, though, Keith. We've talked about the lack of complimentary football. You know, the defense is on the field for probably seven minutes on that drive, holding to a field goal, and the offense goes out and goes three and out. Uh, twice uh, in that quarter, that's what they did, was three and out and punt. 
And and that's where, I mean, even if you don't score, get 27 yards on the drive and run seven plays. Do do something to flip the field a little bit and give the defense a blow. I know I'm taking the defensive side on this, but I feel like that's where Florida State is going to lie when the offense is stubbing its toe. Well, you know, Florida State's defense did not have a bad outing, you know, even even with some some garbage yardage in the second half. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech finished with with what I'm looking here, 313 yards of total offense. And in today's game, that's a win for the defense. Uh, they gave up, uh, did the defense, gave up uh, basically 10 points if you take out the the, the uh, kickoff return. Um, so they, they played well. Now, is this an uber-talented tech offense? No, it's not. Uh, but their quarterback is mobile. He's athletic. He can, he can make you pay if you don't do what you're supposed to do in terms of, uh, uh, you know, rush integrity, lane integrity, fits, those types of things. Um, it's just that, that again – we're sitting here five and zero, oh, uh, with plenty of things to be frustrated with. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty good place to be, unless you're five and zero oh and beating everybody forty to nothing. Well, there were some good things on defense too. First of all, and he's played really well all this year. It was just nice now that he's got a couple sacks next to his name, and that's Jared Verse getting home uh, against a guy. By the way, that wasn't like he's standing back in the pocket throwing to trying to throw 30 yards downfield. Everything he threw was like out of my hand in a hurry to the sideline, swing passes, and they still got two sacks on him. Um, Akeem Dent was back, but but I'll tell you who I was impressed with, and it felt like he was in about every third series, so I'm not looking at the, the snap count total. I'm going to guess he was maybe 20 to 25 plays. I thought Conrad Hussey, the freshman safety, he had the hardest hit of the day. Uh, on one play, I guess it was a running back on a little swing pass. And then he stripped the ball and recovered the fumble at the end of the game, basically in garbage time. But he's had a really good fall camp. Uh, he's got a higher ceiling for sure than than the guys that are out there now. So if they get him to a place where they can trust him and he's comfortable that he knows his assignments, I think he's going to be a really good football player for him. The other thing that was impressive on the defensive side uh, was open field tackling. Because uh, Tech did a really good job of, you mentioned, getting the ball outside quickly. Uh, and there were several, several instances where a, a Tech specialist running back or or, or what have you uh, was one-on-one -on -one in the open field. And I'm telling you, Tommy, th those, those tackles are very difficult to ultimately get a player down. Everyone is so quick and they're so fast these days. Uh, and and I was really impressed with the open field tackling, uh, particularly uh, it was I think Green had a couple. Um, I mean it 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 it, it warmed an older defensive back's heart to see those kids put their nose in there and bring some people down. Renardo Green has had a really really good year. I mean he's good in coverage. He's physical. I mean he's been good. I don't know why this name just came to mind, and he's he's not as big as Renardo Green, not that Renardo's huge, but you remember Tay Cody when he used to play yes, for FSU? Yes. He was he was a diminutive corner, but he was great in coverage, and he was not afraid to come up and cut your legs out from underneath you. I mean, he was really physical for a small – Greg Reed was that way too, actually, the, you know. Remember that uh, – remember Tay's uh, one-handed interception in the end zone that made the poster? How many in years swamp, are we going yeah. back now? How, are we, how, are we, how many years are we going back now? 20-something. 20, 20 I think that was 99. That might have been the 99 season. Um, anyway, a, a lot of good in there. Yeah, the defense, and again, I don't know what they're doing differently in the second half than the first half, Keith. 
but they've been really good in the second half. I mean, the first team D allowed no points against LSU in the second half. They didn't play very long against Southern Miss, but didn't allow points against Southern Miss. Uh, only seven points against Clemson. Obviously, Boston College is the exception when it appears, and I don't know that we'll ever have a true answer, it appears a good portion of the team was pretty sick uh, in that Boston College game. Uh, and some guys didn't play even that, that normally would be in the rotation. And then they, they don't give up any points yesterday. So, I mean, it's and, – and, and the other thing that's making the case for the FSU defense, LSU continues to put 40 to 50 points up on everybody they play. And meanwhile, they didn't do a thing. They, you know, they got 17 against FSU's first-team defense. Yeah. Obviously disappointed in the uh, kickoff return. Uh, got the quick answer with, with Benson's run immediately afterwards. When when the first half was going on, I was noticing that uh, Fitz was – does Fitz do the kickoff? I should look that up. I don't even know. Um, they were kicking the ball short. They were, they were forcing Tech to either make the fair catch or return it. Um, so that, that was intentional. I'd be interested, and I'm sure we'll hear about it this week. Uh, you know what, I, what. I'll, I'll, I'll ask about that. I have asked John Papuchis after other games before when they've kicked short, if they if they coach Fitz to, to kick short, and he said, we never do that. We always want the touchback, and we want the ball in the end zone. So, yeah, William Floyd said the same thing, as if, and maybe they were, and I'll see if I can get an answer on that. Um, because the next time he did kick it five yards deep. So yep. that would that would support your comment. I'm just saying what I've been told before I've asked that because in, in previous staffs, you know, it felt like we got a little too cute sometimes. Let's cook it, kick it to the three-yard line so it's not in the end zone, and then you get burned, right? Or you kick well, it out of bounds because you're trying to be too The other thing fine. it does, and, and Coach Papuchas and, and, and Coach Norvell would tell you no, 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 no. But I I, I was on the kickoff team. Um, when when you have in the back of your mind that the ball is going to be kicked out, your attention span is just not what it should be. Uh, and and that showed up in the first kickoff of the second half. It's just human nature. Fighting through that and being being able to, to stay on point is just very difficult. I mean, we had Billy Capice. Uh, you know, he was kicking the ball out of the end zone before anybody was. Um, and And you just get used to it. Uh, the only thing we did, uh, we didn't uh, intentionally kick it short. We had pooch kitchen, pooch kicks, uh, where Billy would try to bring the ball down about the 15, uh, and um, you had to have your you had to have your head on then because you could not fair catch kickoffs in my day. So you were wide open, and 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 you just wanted to make sure you didn't get there early because there was no halo and there was no fair catch on kickoffs. That that kick return. Uh, I think it was the first one against FSU in like almost 300 games. It might have been the longest streak in the country of uh, games played without allowing a kick return really? for a touchdown. Wow. So it, it's been a while. I don't even know the last one. Uh, so that's disappointing. You know, that said, though, Keith, um, Fitz continues to, to be perfect. And Master Mono, I mean, he's averaging 50 yards per game now. I mean, if he's not ACC Specialist of the Week, I know they'll probably give it to a place kicker who went four for four on with four 26-yard field goals, but Master Mono is making a huge difference for FSU. And I don't know if you've paid attention. Um, you know, I've I've tried to to watch because uh, I, I I actually punted in high school, but I didn't punt. I kicked. I never could get myself used to kicking the ball off the side of the foot and getting the spiral. And, 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 and Master Mono can do that. 
But most of his kicks, Tommy, he's kicking the middle of the ball like a rugby ball. I mean, he is powering that ball 50 yards, um, not, not spiraling it, not, not finessing it. And he's kicking the you-know-what out of it, uh, and he's getting hang time. And, and occasionally he'll take a couple of extra steps before he kicks it because, you know, uh, at the NFL level, if our fans are not aware, at the NFL level, technically you can't leave the line of scrimmage until the ball's kicked. That rule doesn't apply in college. You can, you can begin your pursuit down the field, you know, as soon as you want to. So by holding in another count or half a count, you know, he gives another three or five years of, of coverage to get downfield. They have been phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're as good in terms of what, what they're doing and how they're performing as any duo in the country right now, I would think. I want to go back to what you said. You said you didn't punt, but you kicked. Are you suggesting you drop kicked? No, I'm suggesting I kicked the ball in the middle of the ball. I didn't kick it off the side of my foot. Okay. I kicked it like a rugby ball. I had this image of you with the one bar face mask, drop kicking the ball at Wildwood High School. I just wanted to be sure. Understood. No, never did that. But at least didn't do it the on other purpose. Thing, <laughs> the other thing they do, Keith, is, and uh, boy, you better make sure you're on the same page with your long snapper because he doesn't snap it straight back. He snaps it back two yards to the right or the left, and the punter gets a running start to grab it and go that direction. So God forbid you ever have that signal wrong. Well, or or if you happen to be the, what we call the up backs, and, and you don't move ahead a little bit, and Master Mono takes that ball and deposits it uh, in a place that it doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. But uh, so that was good. I, you know, Keon Coleman had his longest punt return, and uh, he's been pretty good back there. There's still balls bouncing, and I I don't want to say he doesn't inspire confidence. I, he, he doesn't inspire as much confidence as Pittman did last year, who would go and grab any, to me. I don't know. What do you think so far about the way Coleman's returned punts? I think he lines up too deep. I think they may, need to move him about five yards closer uh, so that um, – you know, when the ball is not where they anticipate it being, he can get to it. Because I agree with you. There were two that I remember, maybe more, but two that I remember that he couldn't get to. And, I, and I'm sorry. I'm just a big believer that your, your return man, I mean, we have this thing called the fair catch. You, you make that signal just as quick as you want to. And then all you got to do is go and catch the ball. Uh, I, don't, I do not like balls hitting the ground, bottom line. Other takeaways from the game, uh, Florida State, way too many penalties, 12 penalties in that game. I mean, uh, now, you can put a couple of them on the Zebras, as I did earlier, but there were a couple of uh, false starts and uh, self-inflicted penalties, I would say, in there on Florida State. So that was some offsides, so that, that was sloppy. Um, on the upside, Florida State's still perfect in the red zone on the year, and we're five games through. I mean, that's they, they, they haven't been consistent for four quarters down to down, but they damn sure have been consistent in the red zone this year. Might not have been as spectacular as hurdling over someone, but uh, Toa Feely's touchdown, uh, I mean, he, he was perpendicular to the ground at about the six-yard line uh, and, and just kind of rolled and maneuvered his way in the end zone without touching the ground. It, it was, that was a pretty um, interesting play, a pretty interesting play for the touchdown. Yeah, and he's done that a few times, so he seems to have a knack for that, uh, which is crazy. Uh, Trey, Trey Benson, we talked about, almost 300 yards rushing for FSU. 
highly efficient game for Travis. I'm just looking at some of the other stats. He had 12 penalties for 99 yards. He's not going to get it done. But a 51-and-a-half-yard punt average is uh, with a couple inside the 20. Down defense was pretty good, but but Virginia Tech, uh, they were they were two of 13 on third down, but they converted three of four. And I know we want to, you know, you want to get angry at the defense for that. But I, if everybody used all four downs to get 10 yards, there'd be a lot of fourth down conversions because you, you typically don't have very far to go. Well, not only that, I think the three of four on fourth down conversions, all three of them were the, the what you can do now, the push formation which almost looks like taking a knee at the end of the game. You bring your backs up and put somebody behind the quarterback and everybody just pushes forward. Um, you know, so I point being had, had a yard or two to, to go to get it. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought the defense, they played, uh, I would call this probably their best complete game. What about you? I guess I'd say I could say yes to that. I'm, I'm hesitating because the quarterback was not really a threat to throw the ball downfield at all. So it felt like you kind of knew you were going to get the run game and some shorter stuff. But if we looked at the yardage and in terms of only allowing 10 points, I mean, you're this or Southern Miss are going to be the answer. And Southern Miss is not a conference foe or an FBS foe, right? So power five foe. So you, you, you're probably right on that. Uh, when's, I was, the last I was time, back, when's the last time you saw a game? In today's world, where Virginia Tech's longest completion was 21 yards and Florida State's longest completion was 30 yards. Yeah, that's a – speaking – and that 30-yarder was Destin Hill, by the way, and that was quite a nice grab. This is why Very people much have been so. talking about him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was good to see that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of – and we, I didn't mention Kentron Fortier was back too, and we saw that when Johnny – so that – this is one thing, and we don't have an update on this, but uh, the status of Johnny Wilson, that'll be a big question we'll pay attention to as we go forward. So it is good that Tron is back in case Wilson misses some time. If you haven't heard, it's going to be a 12-noon kick against Syracuse. Syracuse got blasted by uh, North Carolina yesterday, and they've got a, they've got a running quarterback too, but they're down there all-world tight end in Aronde Gaston. I think they're missing some receivers. I mean – this is a football game Florida State should be heavily favored in and, and should take care of business against Syracuse, too. The one thing I will tell you about the Syracuse quarterback, though, is he is very, very uh, good at fakes and misdirection. Uh, he carries things out to the, to the extreme. So you're going to have to be uh, – he may not be that huge threat from a physical standpoint, but he is very accomplished – and, and what he does and carrying out fakes and misdirection and that type of thing. So Florida State will have to be very disciplined on defense or they're going to get caught in um, uh, into some traps um, with this kid. He, he's pretty good at his craft, even if he doesn't have the great physical talents. Anything else from the Virginia Tech game, sir? Well, it's time for our performance of the game uh, brought to you by Prime Meridian Bank. And I think there'll be no um, bickering or disagreement on that. And uh, we're going to go with uh, uh, with one Trey Benson, 11 carries for 200 yards. By the way, did you notice they put him in one last time? Somebody was tracking. Tommy, somebody was tracking. They put him in one last time and he got just enough yards to finish with 200 yards. Uh, two touchdowns, uh, as we've mentioned, a long of 85 average averaged 18.2 yards per carry. Um, that's an astounding number 
in and of itself. And uh, speaking of astounding and outstanding, go by and see our friends at Prime Meridian Bank, uh, business checking, personal checking, home loans, business loans, you name it, they can take care of you. Uh, two locations in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and down in Lakeland. Uh, go by and say hello. Uh, try those cookies. I recommend them highly. Or check them out on the uh, website, www.trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, uh, real good friends of the program, and they sponsor our performance of the week. So Trey Benson now, by the way, has uh, 389 yards rushing in five games with six touchdowns, and he's averaging 7.6 yards per carry which when you have an 85-yarder and a 60-plus yarder, that average will go up. But point being, if you hadn't watched FSU football at all and you just picked up that stat sheet, you'd think there's not a problem with the running game at all. The lead guy is doing what the lead guy should do. Well, and hopefully with this performance and going forward, we will not be saying there's a problem with the running game anymore. Yeah, amen. Uh, I, you know, kudos to, to Tate Rodemaker, by the way, Keith, because he was able to successfully execute the victory formation at the end of the game, which is something that Miami obviously hasn't had a lot of practice doing of late because they didn't even attempt to execute the victory formation at the end of the game. Hmm. Had to go right back there. We're going to start and we're going to finish. That's what uh, we call full circle in the broadcast business, uh, KJ. There you go, brother. There you go. When Miami leaves it on a tee for us like that, yes, we're going to start. And we should have revisited that topic in the middle as well. But we've got a show in the middle of the week where we might go back and bring that up again, because that's now twice in Mario's career that he's lost a game by not taking the victory formation because he did it at Oregon, too, and uh, and lost a game. Anyway. I had forgotten about that. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. So normally you get away with that. For example. Notre Dame's head coach, Marcus Freeman, uh, he's not going to lose another game because he only has 10 defenders on the field at the one-yard line. I would suggest that that wouldn't be a good idea for him. Mario has now done it twice, granted at two different programs, but probably not a good idea to do that again. Agreed. We're out of time. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.